Welcome to The Baton, a John Williams musical journey. Join host Jeff Cummings as he takes you through the career of the illustrious film composer John Williams one film at a time. Starting with his debut as a film composer in 1959 through more than 100 films in 60 years. In this episode, we feature the music from Conrack, made in 1974. Now, here's your host, Jeff Cummings. Hi, everyone, and welcome to 1974 in our journey through John Williams' career. It's a year that holds a special place in my heart because it's the year I was born. It is also a very important year for John Williams fans because it marks the first film collaboration between John Williams and Steven Spielberg, one of the longest, if not the longest, collaborations in film history. We're not going to talk about that film in this episode. Today, we're talking about a film called Conrack, which is yet another film about a teacher turning around the lives of his students. We've seen this before in The Blackboard Jungle and To Sir With Love. There was also Because They're Young, back in 1960, which featured music by John Williams, and Goodbye Mr. Chips, which was turned into a musical in 1969 with musical contributions by Williams. And of course, The Paper Chase, which came out in theaters about six months before Conrack. And after this, there will be Stand By Me, Stand and Deliver, Dangerous Minds, Dead Poet Society, Mr. Holland's Opus, and even School of Rock. John Voigt takes on the lead role in Conrack, a teacher named Pat Conroy who travels to an island town in South Carolina to teach poor black children. The film is based on Conroy's actual year spent as a teacher on this island, before he would become an acclaimed writer of such novels as The Great Santini and The Prince of Tides. Voigt was primarily a character actor who shot to fame with his performance as Joe Buck in Midnight Cowboy in 1969, then with Deliverance in 1972. As with many actors who find fame, Boyd seemed to be looking for a way out of typecasting and likely jumped at the opportunity to play a wholesome character on film. He does a good job with it, and I am surprised his performance wasn't recognized by his peers that year. Martin Ritt directed the film, bringing back Williams after the two worked together on Pete and Tilly about two years earlier. Williams wrote less than 15 minutes of music for Pete and Tilly, and there's really not much more than 20 minutes of original music in Conrack. There's also a large part of the plot revolving around Beethoven's Fifth Symphony that I will talk about a little bit later. Conrack is one of the few John Williams scores written after 1971 to have never received a full commercial release on a vinyl record, compact disc, or digital platform. There was a six-minute suite of music released in 2002, but that's all. So, in this episode, all of the music you hear comes straight from the film itself. In this case, it seems that the studio recordings are missing, making a reconstruction of the score impossible for a commercial release. Outside of this podcast, the only way you'll hear music from Conrack is to watch the film. It was released on VHS back in the 1990s, and on Blu-ray a few years ago. I saw the film on VHS, but I imagine the Blu-ray version to be a decent transfer, but probably the music is not beefed up into stereo sound to make it appreciate it more. So let's start the analysis of the score with the music for the opening titles, and it's a nice four-minute piece of music. Pat Conroy wakes up, 
packs his suitcase and makes his way to this remote South Carolina island for his first day teaching a combined classroom ranging from 5th to 8th graders. As he makes his way to the island via boat, we also see a young girl starting her day. The music starts with an airy flute as she washes up and pulls a crab trap from the water. The music picks up as Pat hitchhikes to the boat and the young girl makes her way to meet Pat at the dock. The guitar playing is great, but it and the flute don't fully set up the thematic material we're going to hear through the film. Once Pat gets inside of the island, his theme appears on what sounds like the mandolin.
as the young girl hides behind a tree when the boat docks, we get a theme that will be used for the children Pat is hired to teach. This is the John Williams we like to hear. He's setting up the tone of the film with this music, providing us with an indication of the rural setting with the harmonica and guitar, while giving us the two main themes to listen for throughout the film. For most of the films he did in 1973, Williams was not given that opportunity. We'll get lots of great main title music from Williams pretty much continuously for at least the next three years. Once Pat arrives at the school, He waits at the entrance to the classroom for his students to arrive. Pat is all smiles with anticipation as the children walk in. The students, however, are very concerned about this new teacher, saying nothing as they walk past him to their seats. We get the children's theme on flute to highlight the delicate situation, which is transferred to harmonica as the last student walks into the classroom. During that first day of class, Conroy is called Conrack by his students because they aren't able to get their mouths around his last name. No matter. He accepts the name and sets off to see what the students know. Turns out it's next to nothing. The revelation is underscored by a somber horn, but the notes suggest hope as the notes leap up the scale before descending below the starting note. Honey, how much is two and two?
How many fingers have I got raised up here? Eight. You only missed it by two. Try again. Two. I'll tell you what. Start at this first finger and count to the last one. Like he did with the paper chase, Williams doesn't write music for the rest of the classroom scenes. The next big moment in the underscore comes when Pat is teaching them about flowers in a burned out home. It's quiet, but again hopeful as the children's theme plays underneath. Later, the students slowly warm to their teacher, but he continues to bristle at their inability to learn some things, like football. He coaches them on the basics of the game, then lets them try to play on their own. That's when John Williams brings in a bold version of Pat's theme as the kids pile on each other in an attempt to get the football. After Pat gives up teaching them football, he walks away. One of the kids tackles him to the ground with a hit on the timpani drum accompanying it. You guys are unteachable! There's a great scene that goes unscored when Conrack is running with the kids on the beach, yelling out questions for them to answer. I think a light and triumphant version of the kids theme would have worked very well here because it's the first real moment when we see teacher and students working together as one unit. That moment didn't come without controversy though. Pat's teaching methods are at odds with those of the school principal and the superintendent as well, a man named Skeffington, played by Hume Cronin. One of the things Pat wants to do is bring the children to the mainland to experience their first Halloween. Skeffington forbids it, but Pat does it anyway. The trip by boat to Beaufort is a beautiful moment, with the visuals and music creating an emotional scene. I really urge you to seek out a copy of this film just to see this scene and hear the music with it. The kids are in awe as they travel in the boat, though some are a bit scared. The kid's theme dominates the scene, though Pat's theme comes in at the end as we see him taking in the moment.
Halloween scene is scored with a Baroque feel to it, using recorder and harpsichord. I was scratching my head over the musical choice here because it's never been used in the film before this. The recorder plays the children's theme well, showcasing a bit of the fun and frivolity in a more upscale neighborhood. I guess the setting dictates the need to compose music in this style, similar to using this style for the paper chase for the snobby academia of Harvard. The music stops when they reach Skeffington's home where they get plenty of treats and pleasantries from the superintendent. The superintendent, however, fires Pat for disobeying him, among other things. Pat packs up his things and heads back to the dock to board the boat to the mainland. I fully expected music for the farewell scene as Pat quizzes his students once more before getting on the boat. I felt the music coming. I could feel it in my gut, but it never came. The tracking shot of the kids standing on the dock as the boat leaves screened for one bold statement of the kids' theme. I felt like this was a precursor to the Oh Captain, My Captain scene in Dead Poet Society, and Maurice Jarre's music there really sold the scene. Instead, we get Beethoven's Fifth Symphony, which the kids learned about in class. The music, Pat tells them, is meant to signify death knocking at the door. I think it's a touching choice to play that music to harken back to that scene in the movie whether or not it actually happened. I think it's an interesting choice, but the whole theme of death knocking at the door and that being the music's plays as the children watch Conroy leave is just a little unsettling to me. So that's the last music we hear in the film. The credits are silent. Why didn't John Williams give us closing credit music? At the very least, a quick rendition of the kids' theme would have sufficed. I don't know the conversation that happened between Martin Ritt and John Williams regarding the music at the end. Perhaps the two didn't want the impact of Beethoven's Fifth ruined by music by Williams. And as much as we love John Williams' music, I think you can agree with me that nothing he would write for the film Conrack would come close to Beethoven's Fifth. Conrack pretty much breezed through his theatrical run with little fanfare, despite its lead actor's status, the premise of it being based on a true story and with the subject matter. The film didn't break the top 50, earning just over $2 million and continuing a trend for John Williams of scoring at least one film each year that placed 51st or worst in box office totals. This would be the last year that would happen. The film was released in the United States on March 15, 1974. Just one week earlier, Williams was mourning the sudden death of his wife, Barbara Ruick, who suffered a fatal cerebral hemorrhage on the set of California Split. I'll discuss this tragedy in a little more detail a few episodes from now, 
But Williams certainly had other things to think about than Conrack's opening weekend. The next episode of The Baton will focus on the film The Sugarland Express. I'm looking forward to having you join me for this very monumental episode. In the meantime, please feel free to reach out to me with comments about the show, including any historical tidbits I might have missed or those you think would be relevant for upcoming episodes. Email me at jeffswim at aol.com or submit a comment on the Podbean app. Please also submit a review on iTunes when you get a chance. Thanks for watching, and until next time, the baton is down. Mm -hmm.